unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? It is another edition of the Raw and Unscripted Show. Here's truly uh, at the helm. It is Christopher Roush, your no excuses coach, and you are at your place where I provide you the opportunity to overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Appreciate you guys being here, whether you're live or on the replay, whether you're on the video cast or on the audio podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. I appreciate you guys so much. We are in 10 countries right now. I found out that Hong Kong is my fastest growing segment uh, of international locations. So thank you guys out there in Hong Kong. I would love to hear from you. Seriously, I would love to hear from you. Uh, send me an email, Christopher at ChristopherRoush.com. It's R-A-U-S-C-H. Send me an email, uh, or you can do it info at noexcusescoach.com, whichever is easier. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to see what type of topics and guests you would like to have on the show. If there's anybody in particular from your hometown, your home market there that you'd love to have on the Raw and Scripted show to represent, I would love that opportunity to interview that person. So wherever you guys are at across the world, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. Again, we are uh, live right now on the video, pro- video broadcast, and we are also also uh, going to audio podcast as well, wherever audio podcasts are sold. So if you guys watch this video cast, we would appreciate you going and subscribing to the podcast and vice versa. That way we can continue to reach as many people as we can with this message. I've been doing this now for, this is the 210th episode, ladies and gentlemen, 210 episodes of the Raw and Unscripted show. And this is something that I do completely out of the goodness of my heart. It's my way of giving you an opportunity to work alongside me as we talk about life and mindset and resiliency and confidence and courage and, and, and being able to learn about forgiveness and empathy. All the things we talk about here on the show designed to move your life and your confidence move, move forward so that you can go out there and experience the things that you haven't been able to experience because of the limiting beliefs that you have within yourself. And that's what I do. I bring every single week, either a guest or myself, the opportunity for you to see things from a different perspective, not just my perspective and my vantage point, but from other people that have all been in similar situations where they've been at their lowest moments and had to realize what their true resiliency was made out of, what their true why is in order to find that resiliency and that how within deep within their souls. And so I enjoy doing this. We're going to be continuing to do this for quite some time. I don't see this ever stopping. Uh, so thank you. So let me know in the comments, let me know in an email, Christopher at ChristopherRosh.com, what type of subjects, what type of guests you would like to see. Uh, truth be told, we are booking now into November. It is crazy. Somebody just asked to be on the show recently. And they wrote back and they said, do you have anything before November? And I said, no, actually I don't. So thank you guys. Uh, it's been amazing and it's going to continue to be that way. So, uh, I love and appreciate you guys. We've got David Libby in the house. What's up, David? I appreciate you. He says, heck yeah, we're going to be rocking and rolling brother. I hope you are doing amazing and awesome tonight yourself. And, uh, something I haven't been able to talk about in a while. I want to talk about the, the show it's brought to you by the amazing people at help heal humanity, help is an organization that I've been personally involved with now for about three years. I know the CEO and the founder, Serena Buffalino. It's an amazing group of people who are really heart-centered and they're out there on a mission to make this world a better place uh, and bringing uh, food insecure, food to food insecure people, bringing shelter to people who have been damaged by earthquakes, uh, for example, in Haiti, uh, homeless people in, uh, in Ontario. 
different places. And so we need your help with that. So when you get value out of this particular episode, and we just had somebody that did this, anytime you donate any anything over $200, you get an hour of coaching with me as well. So if you make a donation to helphealhumanity.org, you go there and you hit the donate tab. And any donation $200 above gets you an hour of coaching uh, with me. And somebody, one of the listeners just recently took me up on that, donated $300. So thank you for that guy. I appreciate it. And then he donated his coaching session to somebody who he felt needs a little bit mentoring. So I spent an hour with that that young gentleman, if you will, uh, talking about his business plans and everything else. So when you get value out of the show, I would love it for you to go over there and help us out. Uh, if you want to get involved with the organization, go there to the volunteer tab and you can see what's going on in the organization. A lot of things are changing. A lot of things are happening and we need your help to help heal humanity. So thank you for, uh, for uh, allowing me that opportunity with you guys as well. And the last thing I want to talk about before we bring on my amazing co-host and we bring on our amazing guest who we are having a little bit of technical difficulty with, uh, to be honest with you, this thing, this, my life passion and my purpose, for those of you guys listening on the podcast, I'm holding up a cover of my book that it will be out in September, October. It's called it's just you and me kid. Uh, the current subtitle will be changed, but right now it says the story, true story of a mother and son survival on the streets of California. Um, this is going to be out this year. It'll be out in September, October. A lot of you guys have been asking me about this for so many times and so often. I'm proud to say it's going to be out. And what I need is your help. I want it to be a number one bestseller and I need your help with that. So if you go over to the website, it's just you and me kid.com. It's just you and me kid.com. That's the title of the book and register to be on the priority mailing list for when it comes out. Uh, you will get a bunch of uh, extras in that. So if you buy the book, the day it comes out, there's a bunch of bonuses you can see there on the website. One of which is uh, potentially winning a coaching session with me. Uh, other things are being able to ask me questions about the book and talk about stories that were admitted and get, um, uh, access to pictures and things of that nature, all those bonuses that you want with a book uh, to be able to find out all the different stories that maybe didn't make the book, uh, a bunch of other stuff. So go over there, check it out. It's just you and me kid.com. I would appreciate and love your support with this. Uh, the book's going to be a game changer for so many. And I truly believe in my heart of hearts, it will be made into a movie. So with that, I appreciate your support and thank you for that. Uh, without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, last week, uh, we got Jen Grosso in the house. What's up? She goes, I will get on that list. Can't wait to read it. Thank you, Jen. I appreciate you being here with us. And just like last week, I talked about this. Uh, I have the opportunity uh, here on the show to uh, be joined by a co-host. And that's just something that I don't normally do here on the Raw and Scripted show. That's something that I prefer with my unfiltered experience. But because I love this person so dearly and she has so many amazing uh, people in her circle and she is brilliant and she's been a sincere mentor for to me for over a decade, uh, please welcome to the beautiful broadcast, my dear friend, Patty. What's going on, Patty? Help. Hello. How are you doing, beautiful? Hello. Thank you. Good. Really good. Um, I am super excited again to be here. So last week was really a lot of fun. We had um, the amazing Orin Checkmate Hudson. And, you know, I, I think I'm still sort of like in a in a buzz because, you know, I'm a, I'm a very poor chess player. But after having the conversation with him and just that inspiration of, you know, just get at it. You can do it. Hey, Christopher, I can teach you in 10 minutes. I'm like, what am I missing? That's, um, I mean, that, when he said that, I was like, are you, you, you haven't talked, you obviously haven't learned enough out of this broadcast <laughs> to find out that I don't have the aptitude, but when you're starting to talk about all the chess pieces and the names and I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> I know. I loved it. It was so cool. And did you get inspired uh, to go play this week? Did you, did you play it all this week? 
I did. You did? Actually. Yes. Huh? So I do my my chess.com. So I have my my little computer chess game. And, you know, I haven't played for a while. So you forget the patterns. And uh, so it took me a little while to get back into the groove. But, you know, I kind of made it. So, yeah. And I'm threading. You're threading. Yes. What's threading? Talk to us about threading. Is that threading. like threading? So thre th threading, needle threading for your eyebrows? Is so, one of, no. So, one of our super good friends um, who we, we both know quite well, Craig yeah. Desbolt. Uh, hey, Serena. Uh, his son, Ryan, is a drummer and an amazing drummer, and his band is Threadge. And I have actually been doing some paintings, uh, listening to their music. So, you know, my collaboration with with uh, Greg under Lotus 97.7, we've been listening to some of his music and creating these paintings that we're hoping are going to knock everybody's socks off. They're pretty wild. So, yeah. So anyways, I'm big shout out to Thredge. Love, 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 Ryan. Love them all. Yes. Awesome. And for, for people who aren't, aren't familiar with them, what type of music is it? Yeah, well, it's not something that you're going to sit quietly. It's pretty headbanging, hard, hard rock metal. Um, yeah. yeah, but they they truly do have a a, a backstory, which I won't share because I'm hoping one day we're going to get Ryan on. Oh, that would be um, awesome. Yes, and uh, you know it, it's about. I think they really took what happened during COVID to a new level where they, they just really started to feel like, what are the injustices in this world and what have we done and what are we leaving for humanity? So the, the lyrics of all their music is it's dark, um, meaningful and definitely impressionable. So it's, it's very pay attention to, and, uh, yeah, I, I think they're going to go somewhere big. I know they are. Yeah, with yeah. his with his talent, I mean, and his dad's access to the music industry, I mean, it's it's a no brainer. Yeah, well, I see, I mean, I see him practicing. I see his TikToks and stuff like that, and he's he's constantly always practicing and, and beating the hell out of those skins. Well, he's he's doing uh, his schooling now at the university by internet, and he's moved back to LA. And you know, they play whiskey a go go, and they've got a couple things coming up. I think even May twelfth, I think there's an event. Um, so. I know that this is going to be something that, you know, 25 years from now, people are going to go, oh, my God, do you remember Led Zeppelin? Well, now we have Thredge. So yeah, going to be they're, they're going to be good, really good. Yeah, that's exciting. That's exciting. Um, so what uh, what is potentially going on with our guest tonight? I know our guest is uh, coming to us from Costa Rica and is experiencing some Internet issues. Have we uh, we've been yes. able to. OK, so he, of course, being in Costa Rica, you know, we had a few test runs, but tonight the Internet has been challenging in his home. So he needs five minutes and he's going to change locations so he'll be able to hop on with us. Um, in the meantime, while we're, you know, waiting for Brandon to come on, maybe I'll just read you a little bit about our guest. If the, yes, if please okay. do. So. I know the question is, you know, who is Brandon? Uh, and again, you asked the question about, well, how, how do you know Brandon? And of course, our, our guest for next week, because I'm really lucky to be able to co-host, you know, three events with you, is going to be Dio Gibson, who is another super amazing Canadian. Uh, he is a superstar rapper and has a, an incredible, incredible story. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But 
Brandon and Dio actually were part of a group that I was part of called Synergy through the Archangel um, group, Giovanni Marsico. And we met and we were all in the Synergy group. And it's like a mastermind. And of course, after you're you're talking to people year after year and getting into their their business and, and what they do, you know, there's there's a certain amount of um, you know education, inspiration, things that you know people have that you want to help and support, mentor, and actually just become part of. So with Brandon, he he is the founder and the CEO of Fire to Light. It's a company bringing awareness to the trauma experienced by firefighters everywhere. Fire to Light has taken a preventative approach to the mental health of firefighters because actually Brandon was uh, in Brampton, Ontario, uh, over a decade as a firefighter. And, uh, you know, he, he's made this huge jump, this decision, which we're going to talk about once he gets on. And uh, but through ongoing research and his firsthand experience, Brandon and his team developed programs that help firefighters to understand what trauma is and provide them with tools to build resilience with their mental health and helping them to reduce the increasing rates of PTSD and firefighting, you know, firefighter suicide, which is also, you know, unfortunate, but very rampant. But, yeah. you know, I, I want to share a little bit more, but his backstory is is so huge that I want to really wait until he gets on so we can get him to, you know, share some of this. Prior to him, you know, becoming a firefighter, he he traveled, and he had this unbelievable um, excursion across the world, which Ooh, I, I do want, I want to hear about that. Yeah, so I'm just going to check my phone because it appears that. Uh, uh, okay, he needs just a couple more minutes, so I think that's that's good. But um, in the meantime, you know, Christopher, there is something you and I both know is so important, and that is that the wellness, the state of our minds, and what we do, and the choices that we make, you know, really super, you know, ground us. And uh, I think you know, with what you're doing right now, you know, even with Ron Unscripted people who have have not had opportunities to find a platform where they can you know hear something quick or just have the opportunity to to lay something out in front of them and you know so i always say kudos to you um you know thank you so much for what you're doing because it, it is life-changing and a lot of people have been impacted by that Yes. Thank you. Thank you. You're, you're amazing. You're amazing for, for acknowledging that and coming from you. I take that in high regard. I don't know if I told you this before, but I found out through uh, a website that my, this podcast is rated in the top 15% of all podcasts globally. And over, I can't remember how many millions of podcasts it's top rated in 15%. And I never really knew about that, but it makes me feel good to know that we're in 10 countries and we're making an impact and continuing to wow. go strong. You know, we're, 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 we got a wait list up until November now uh, to be on the show. So it's just incredible through your support and everybody else's support of really liking the message of the fact that I don't mince words and I come at it. I come at things from a direct standpoint, but from a, from a supremely loving standpoint. And I have a lot to thank for you about that because you've, you introduced me to that way back in the, in the, in the days with the book, you wrote karmic alibi. That was one of my first forays into this type of world and the spirituality kind of world. And you were the one that introduced me to it. So thank you for, for helping me continue to expand and grow. Wow. Well, you're welcome. I, I, 
I love the fact that, you know, we also met that little story is, is, you know, kind of interesting. You're unfortunate. We were at a, at a, a boot camp and your cat was with you. Yeah. And Rocky. Cat, Rocky was, was actually not doing very well. And you were pacing and going back and forth to the hotel room and looking after the cat. And um, I gave you a, a band uh, to put on your wrist. Mm -hmm. It was something very similar to that. Yeah. Yep. And that's going back over 10 years ago. And, uh, and it became sort of important. And I, I, I love the fact that as time goes by and people change and all these things happen, there's still this notion that we do make a difference. You know, we do make a difference. Mm -hmm. You never know. I mean, we never know. I always tell people that I'm not out to change somebody overnight. What I'm out to do is I'm out to plant seeds for, for, to start to germinate now with the things that I say, and then over a period of time, as other things land in that same soil that causes it to germinate and causes it to grow, that that person has that experience and thinks back, wow, oh, I remember when that guy said that. You know, so if it's not today, it may be down the road. And I have countless people always reaching out to me like, oh my God, Chris, I finally get what you were talking about, how life is happening for me and not to me or whatever it might be. And so that always feels great. I mean, honestly, it does. It knows, it knows for me to fulfill my legacy every single day where I was just talking about this on a show that I was interviewed on last night. And we were talking about, you know, what's your why, you know, the, the importance of leverage. And I said, my why came about when I wrote my eulogy back in 2008, when I right. just really, I, I spelled it out like, okay, here's what I want to be remembered for, how yeah. I want to be remembered. And so every single day when I wake up, I set the intention for fulfilling that legacy so that every day I just live with the purpose and the passion to help make the world a better place for who I am and what I do. And hopefully it catches on with other people as well. I love that. I, I really think, you know, going into this, latter part of my own life. I still have, you know, the five books that I'm writing. Um, I have my drumming, of course, the art, you know, dabbling in some of the, uh, you know, arenas that I wouldn't normally have ever thought I would step into and making, making them feel as if um, they, they are important, like they're important. You're fulfilling that aspect of whatever this, you know, courage is to, to be a human, to have your soul journey and just, you know, wake up knowing. Here's the thing that's interesting. You know, I, I don't, I did mention, and a lot of people do know this. I lost on Friday at three o'clock um, in the mm -hmm. afternoon. I lost one of my super closest friends, like Arunas. And you know, I know he was very prepared for for this, although there were many, many things that I think he still felt he, you know, of course, he wanted to accomplish. Sure. But it's just been those days after that your awareness just becomes so, I cannot waste a second of my life. I don't want to waste any time. I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing is valuable, but not just to me. It's that, it's, it's what's valuable to you know, as you mentioned, the legacy, what is it that you can do? Because we're all an extension uh, of one another. We're, we live in this, you know, cosmic conscious reality. No matter what your practice is, there's there's so much. I heard something today that blew my mind about AI. That there's Ooh, these Is it robots. good or is it, is it scary? Because I don't like Yeah, it's, it's super scary. scary. These robots can read your mind. What? And they, there's a, this guy, this man has has this scientist has written a program that for whatever, however it evolved, they these robots can actually know what you're thinking. And 
And wow. that was like, that just blew my mind. I'm like, there's no way anyone wants to know what's in this girl's head. <laughs> <laughs> how does, I mean, how does it do that? That's kind of freaky. I mean, that's, I don't that's know yet. Super, oh yeah. I don't know. I Somehow it, 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 it can text it like after it does after it reads your mind it's texting it so i have to talk to ken walls because ken knows all of these things so i have to mm -hmm. see if he knows anything about that so i don't mm -hmm. have any updates on my phone with brandon yet I yeah mean, i i'm seeing him now i'm seeing him backstage it looks like he's getting situated so okay. um give me a thumbs up brandon if you're if you're good to go Okay. I'm getting a thumbs up. Okay. Would yeah. you like to, would you like to introduce him? He's got a big old grin on his face. So we're, oh, so we're ready to rock and roll. Okay. So, well, yes, of course, coming live from Costa Rica, Brandon Evans, the CEO of fire to light and a man with a lot of incredible stories. Look at you with the headphones. What's hey, going Brandon. on, Brandon? Good to see you, brother. Good to see you. I'm sitting in like a 1989 Toyota. Just had to drive down a mountain to get some kind of reception. But uh, I, look at this. I got the ring light in the car. I love look it. Look at you. You got the studio going. I got the studio. I got the old shag wagon studio going. So there you go. Oh, wow. I wow. love it. Resourcefulness, man. Resourcefulness. You win. You win as one of the top guests who had to get resourceful. I had a guy that was doing it from his car one time. And then also needed an account for the fact that that was getting dark. And so as it was getting darker, you couldn't see him anymore. So then he had the little, little dome light and it was like so pathetic. It was like this, the shadow of a man. I said, I feel like I'm interviewing a, a murderer or something like that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you, you brought the ring light. So you're good, man. It's, it's a pleasure to have you here. Patricia has told me so much about you and I'm excited to kind of dive into this. And I did some research about you and I'm curious to just jump off into the deep end of it. You know, I interviewed, I saw that you interviewed a hundred fire chiefs recently from all over the world. Talk to us about that experience and what really precipitated that. And let's kind of jump into what it is that you're about. Might be a little bit of a delay. Did you catch that? Sounds good. Um, it is getting a little choppy. You, you cut off a little bit there, but uh, talking about the hundred fire chiefs that we interviewed. Yes. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah, it was like it was crazy. It was wild. I I didn't know what I was going to get into when I started. Um, so I am a firefighter myself. I had uh, gone down a, a road, uh, long story short, of creating a trauma awareness program uh, for firefighters, trying to take a really preventative approach to how we in the fire service uh, deal with and understand uh, mental health. Um, and that led me to doing some research uh, from some other people. And so I wanted to interview fire chiefs. I wanted to interview some leaders to get their perspective as they are the decision makers, they're the leaders leaders are the ones kind of guiding the way when it comes to how we manage and deal with, you know, our mental health. Um, and so a few fire, a few calls with some fire chiefs uh, in Canada quickly led me into Australia. And then it just kind of ping bonged all over the world, um, Australia into the United States, all across the States, into the United Kingdom, into Europe. I spoke wow. with chiefs in Malaysia and Bangladesh um in tokyo uh, i spoke with chiefs on five different continents all around the world and it was amazing the things that i learned it was amazing 
what's happening. It's amazing what's not happening. Uh, it's it's amazing the similarities from one continent to another continent. Um, it was you know it was just there's so there were so many mind blowing things that came out of it that I didn't expect. A lot of what I did expect came up, um, but then there were also some fascinating things that didn't that, that I didn't expect. Um, but, what were you know, some of the underlying theme of everything was that we all have trauma it all impacts us and and we haven't quite yet in the fire service anyways as first responders maybe even in society figured out how to manage it we're trying to take a collective approach a once a one uh, a one size fits all approach um is kind of what i see that's oh oh Oop. Brandon's taking a brief pause. Wow, what a what an amazing situation to get himself into. And then I, I just want to I wanted to pause him. I wanted to find out what those some of those mind blowing uh, breakthroughs are because it's I mean it's so amazing that finally mental health is getting the attention that it deserves in all areas of life. I mean it's not just a matter of you know as men especially we don't have to just bury it. We don't just have to deal with it. Like you're a man, you should you don't be a punk. You know you should be able to handle distress and you should be able to handle this. And especially those guys and how much pressure and 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 scrutiny they're under for every single thing that they do. I mean mental health is massive in in both fire departments police departments i mean everywhere really yeah first line first first line responders for sure i i remember you know this is going back now a ways that i got a phone call from brandon one evening and he was just totally devastated and he said i just i just need to hear some kind words right now i i just left a fire and the young girl just passed in my arms. Oh my God. And, and, you know, I mean, he's had that happen before, but this one was in particular, and I won't say all of the circumstances around it, right. but, you know, I think that was impactful, but I want to share while he's trying to get himself, I think back on. So Brandon's not on holidays in Costa Rica. He actually, after making the decision that he wanted to do this work, he took a, I don't know if it's a full leave of absence, but a teaching leave of absence for him. And he took his wife and his two children and they moved to Costa Rica, sold his house in Brampton and ha has taken up residence there and is working in that in a very unique community, which is another part of a story that would be amazing for him to share. He's um, back. He's, he's Give me a thumbs up. You ready? Bear with us, people. Bear with us. This is technology. We're getting, we're bringing you the good stuff all the way from Costa Rica. Welcome back, brother. Thank you for being Sorry. there. No worries. So, what was uh, what were some of those big mind blowing uh, realizations that you had talking to these hundred fire chiefs? I lost light. We talked with the light. I lost the light. There we go. <laughs> Come back to the light, Brandon. Um. <clears throat> You know, there's a lot of, there's, there's just a lot of, uh, there's a lack of education. There's a lack of awareness around what mental health means. Um, so a few of the, a few big things for me that came up where I don't know what's going on this way. Um, so one is like, we deal with so much death as first responders, as firefighters. Um, you know, I've probably done CPR well over a hundred times, couldn't tell you how many times I've put hands on uh, on dead people. Um, there's gonna be a light show over here in and out. And so there's a massive, massive lack of a relationship with death. 
uh, we don't have one. Uh, this I think this goes for most people, but in a place where we um, where we deal with it so often, so readily, we there's there hasn't been time for self exploration about what that means. Um, so for me, looking at this um, from just from all my experiences, um, that was it. That was a really big one. It was a really really big one. There's a lack of there's a lack of knowledge and acceptance of death. Um, something that we have to deal with all the time, in and out, and it just it just is non-existent. Um, so that was really huge. There's there's a massive under uh, there's a massive like generational gap or a perceived this perceived generational gap that the older generation doesn't understand the new generation. Yeah. Um, and they they perceive that this is a huge issue. And I mean, this is just an adaptation, right? We just adapt and we evolve. Every generation uh, learns something from from older generations, from younger, younger generations and everything in between. So this isn't nothing new. It's just as we enter into this plane of really diving deep to try to understand our mental plane, um, the younger generation talks, the older generation has learned to suppress and not talk. Um, one has maybe better work ethic than the others or a very different worth ethic, work ethic. And so there's like these colliding, uh, this polarization within the culture of the fire service. And this isn't in one specific place. This is at large all around the world on every different continent of chiefs that I spoke with. Um, trying to find a balance, trying to find an understanding from our youth, from what we used to do, and what does that mean? Um, so these ones are talking, the younger generation's talking, but they're going off a lot earlier. Older generation doesn't talk. Um, and if they go off, they never return. Generally, they never return to the to the fire service. So um, yeah, a few big things. Death, death was the biggest one, these generational gaps. Um, and then it's the big stuff's always the small stuff, right? The big stuff is like, the chiefs that are really progressive, that are doing incredible things, are doing things that like don't cost any money. Ooh, I want to hear about that. Yeah, they cost right. They cost. It costs no money at all. So we've got fire chiefs that are leading by example, who are who are taking stripes off their shoulders. Right, so we're a paramilitary organization. We have ranking symbols. The fire chief wears five gold stripes or stars, all that kind of stuff. Think about the military, all the stripes and all the stuff they wear on their crests and their chests. And this fire chief has taken all that away. No more symbols of hierarchy. And so immediately we remove intimidation. I'm just going for a walk now because I can get some light. But he's like, you know, the idea is that you as a as a rookie as a as a as a new person coming in don't need to feel intimidated by who i am on the fire ground i need you to listen to what i say that's your job so go and do it but that transfers over into the fire hall into all those other aspects and there's time and place for all those things and so it's these small acts of taking stripes away that go against massive entrenched traditions that exist uh that exist everywhere Right. If we're talking about fire, they exist in the fire service. They also exist in our society and in our families and in the military and in our schools and everywhere. So there's chiefs that are standing up against some of these entrenched traditions 
um, because they've seen things a little bit differently and they've decided to take action on it. Another chief um, just came into power, uh, into power, right? Just came into his position and, and he, he's like, I implemented all these things, spent all this money putting all these mental health programs in place. And the biggest thing, the thing that I hear most often is that firefighters come up to you and say, hey, chief, thanks for taking the chief's parking spots away in the parking lot. Now we don't have to stress about parking. So it like it seems like it was a nothing super simple thing to do. Let's just take they're complaining about parking. Let me take let me take that away. But it's like, no, let me remove the hierarchy. Right. Let me bring myself back down to being human. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this aligns with <clears throat> some chiefs um, have a greater understanding of what it means to be vulnerable. Um, and what it, and, and, and the power of sharing stories. And so this is something that I'm really trying to push through, through my report and through my programming. Um, I don't believe there's enough chiefs that are telling enough stories. Yeah. And did, did, you, did you find that to be, um, something that was predominant within the United States or something that was there, was there similarities within the United States? Or was it something you were just finding out geographically all over with the hundred chief, the hundred chiefs that you talked to? Yeah, no, everywhere. It didn't. It 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 didn't matter. I mean, um, chiefs in Malaysia were were saying the same thing, right? Um, hierarchy was probably more prevalent in Asia than it was in sure. in North America or in Europe. Um, I would imagine Latin America would probably be pretty high too, wouldn't it? Yeah, I actually didn't get too deep into Latin America. Um, <laughs> funny enough as i'm as i'm as i'm living here um <laughs> there's so it's so rural and volunteer based even in the large cities um it was just a very challenging some countries were super challenging to try to i'm still trying i'm, I'm still trying to to knock on doors um with leadership in in various parts of the world um but yeah you know things are things are different you know it was interesting in asia <clears throat> they don't really have an issue with suicide in the fire service in america y'all have a massive massive issue with suicide within the fire service what do you think the differences are on that well it's interesting so one we spoke a lot about face right when i when i talked to the chiefs about it he said you know our religion is so deep our faith is so deep so this was in malaysia with a, a muslim religion um and he's like, you know, it goes against our religion to kill ourselves. And so the implementation of having spaces within the service to prayer or to pray, um, they they set it up so it's conducive for those that are very religious. Um, I think in the West, we tried to do that. We've maybe tried or not tried hard enough to do that. Right. I, I don't know. I mean, you have to remember too, like, I'm interviewing individuals on their own personal perspective about their position, about their fire departments. So part of this is dependent on who I'm speaking with at the time. Right. Um, so everything, there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors that come into play, but I really, I really, I really do believe um, that having faith in anything doesn't need to be religious faith, just having faith in the unknown, having trust in ourselves, um, having a relationship with death, I believe these things help to keep us going um, through traumas. And if we've never faced any trauma in our life, 
um, which a, a lot of us, just speaking from experience, working with so many firefighters, a lot of us haven't. We just keep going because we're taught to just keep going. Push we're it taught down, to just keep down, sucking it, it up until the walls fall down. Um, not ever imagining that it will be us, that that will happen too. Yep. Um, without a lot of faith, you know, I don't think that there's a lot of faith um, in, yeah, that's it. That's it, right? And so, yeah, I believe that, you know, trusting in the unknown, having a relationship with the unknown, diving into the unknown, it's something that scares the shit out of most of us. Um, and I think there's a part of it that forever will and we can still learn to uh, strengthen that relationship. And so I think this is a huge thing with firefighters. Um, we don't trust it. Uh, we have a, we, there's a massive issue with trust. So this is also what's come up, right? Like we have a hard time with trust. Wow. We can Brandon? trust each other because we have uncommon commonalities. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. I, I'll ask you after. Okay. I thought it was like an audio thing. So, so yeah, you know, we don't, we're not putting our hands up soon enough. We have too many firefighters killing themselves. Too many firefighters are now going and leave. Um, burnout is the next, the next biggest thing to come in the area of, let's just call them government workers of first responders. When you look at fire police, uh, ambulance services, nursing services, doctors, like we have not, I, I, I believe we have not seen the worst of, of what's happening. We have mandatory overtime lists that are coming out. Um, and so anyways, this trust piece is like, I can trust another firefighter at the table because we were at the same call because we've been in fires because we've seen burnt bodies. I can probably understand that you have maybe seen, you know, dead kids as I have like this horrible shit that we experience and there's common ground there, right? Yeah. We know about it. We share it. We can joke about it when most people can't joke about it. However, I'm not a trained therapist. Everyone at the table aren't trained to train therapists. So there's the stigma is I believe it's much as, as much as we're getting better. I believe it's much, much worse than what we perceive it to be with those suffering in silence, with those still not putting their hand up and with those not practicing like what we're talking about, mental fitness. Mm -hmm. We're yeah. waiting until it's too late to go and get help. And now you have a diagnosis of PTSD, a psychological injury, whatever you wanna call it, opposed to preparing yourself, just like how you might go to the gym or eat healthy food, we prepare ourselves in case some shit happens, in case we get injured. If we'd never have a relationship with death and view that maybe our own death could be something magical and think and put effort and energy into our last experiences, our last thoughts to serve us now as we're living, um, then, it makes things, it, then it makes things really hard when we experience death, especially when you're experiencing multiple deaths a week. We got places in the States, in the states where firefighters are responding to multiple gun shootings a week not one a month i've never been to one in my life but multiple shootings a week that normally result to some kind of injury and or death it's a very very common thing in certain states um we got firefighters uh in in certain countries that their biggest fear is they get held at gunpoint responding to calls 
Wow. Wow. And so there's massive issues um, that are happening. And then the underlying theme, right, is like, it's all just trauma, right? It all impacts us in a negative manner. And so what are we doing to start managing how to deal with it? Right. Life isn't life isn't rainbows and love and, and all this stuff. Oh, just peace and love, man. It's all good. Rainbows like, are real life. Yeah. 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 Like it's a part of it. It's a part of life and it's a beautiful part of life. But like suffering is also a part of life. And I don't think we put enough emphasis and energy into what suffering is, how we suffer and what we can make of our suffering that's the biggest piece right there's no conversation fucking Brandon, anywhere <laughs> Brandon, so that's so real and of course that's mm. our attachment to suffering that causes us to you know want to continue we don't have we're so hardwired sometimes on um, staying in that focus that we don't know how to release ourselves from it yeah. and it takes great courage but i i just i want to stop you just for a bit because we could probably have like 10 sessions <laughs> This is, this is awesome. Once we got you connected, man, we're flowing. Because, but, yeah, but there's so much more. And one thing I, I really think, I, I mean, I so appreciate, which I have the privilege of knowing Brandon for a, a while. I want you to share a little bit about your your early your early days because there there was a side of your life where you just took risk and went across basically the country to the other side of the world and hopped onto a different way of life. You got onto a, a boat and there's, I mean, the things that, those that stories, yeah. they're beyond All the right. book, a lot of them, but right. give us one or two, you know, highlights yeah. of, of, I mean, I, so, I, you know, it's what I'm thinking of, right? The, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give some, I'll give some, I'll give some context too. Cause as okay. I think about it, I think about it often. Um, like our mind traps us as we become adults, right? Yeah. And the longer we're an adult, the the more potential there is for our mind to just keep us trapped in things. And I think all of us, you know, from time to time fall back into that loop, you know? So here I am, um, you know, took a sabbatical from uh, the career job with the pension, all the things, living in Costa Rica with my family, being like, wow, we actually like, we did it. We actually did it. That's crazy. And there was years before that being like, man, like this was the, this was the dream. This was the goal not really reflecting or connecting to other times in my life. So when I was uh, 23 years old, um, 22 years old, I packed up my truck, drove across the country, spent a season forest fire fighting in British Columbia. That led me back to Ontario. Next thing you know, I ended up in New Zealand. I got a work visa for New Zealand. Um, and, and that was kind of cool. Spent three months milking cows on a farm spent absolutely all my money because new zealand is really expensive as a 23 year old trying to just backpack around and that that led me into asia um and so there's lots of stories here patricia's pushing one on a boat so we can kind of butt bounce back and forth i'll just get to the boat because it's a fucking cool story so <laughs> nice i find myself um Thailand was like a home base for me for that year. I spent about five months there off and on back and forth. And so I came back from a three month stint in India, which is a whole bunch of stories from India. And I found myself cruising down, um, down Thailand into Malaysia. And I'm kind of running out of money again. I'm like, okay, well now what do I do? Cause I don't want to go home. I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. 
And so I don't know where the universe just dropped this idea into my head that, oh, maybe I'll take a boat. I've been on planes. I've been on trains. I've been on buses. I've walked on foot. I've rode bikes. I've done all the things, but I haven't really been on a boat. My idea is that I'll hop on a freighter, cross the Pacific, and then hitchhike across the country uh, back home to Toronto. That was my idea. So I get a list of all the freighter yards and shipping yards throughout um, Malaysia and Indonesia. And I show up at the first shipping yard and there's like Fort Knox. There's no way I'm getting in this thing. So I just cruise down to the yacht club and I have a conversation and they're like, where are you going? I go, I'm headed uh, into Indonesia. They're like, Ooh, it's a rough time to go to Indonesia. Trade winds are going the opposite direction. Everyone's crossing the Indian ocean right now. I've never sailed a day in my life. Like never step foot on a sailboat. I got little boats at our cottage that we, that we go fishing on and stuff. Never sailed anything in my life before. And so I move on. I get into Singapore onto the next yacht club. Um, and this one took some convincing, took me about 45 minutes to convince the guard to let me in, to walk along the dock, to just ask people if I could hitch a ride on their boat. <laughs> and, That's awesome. And the, you got balls. and the first boat that I came to, um, there was a woman there that just, you know, hey, excuse me. Yeah. I go, you looking for an extra deckhand? She said, where are you going? I said, I don't know. Nowhere. I'm just looking for an adventure. And five days later, I was on the boat and we were cruising through the Malaga Strait, which is the busiest strait or passageway for sea vessels in the world in between Malaysia and, uh, and, and Singapore, or sorry, in, in between Indonesia and Malaysia. And, um, and I spent three months crossing the Indian Ocean, and this was in 2008. So this was at the height of Somali pirating in the Indian Ocean. Oh, wow. So when we when we got out to, um, we left uh, the Maldives, which is like paradise on earth. It's such an incredible yeah. place. And uh, we went to Oman. We had to, we had to sail out 90 miles, which is like a, could be, I think it was almost two days to get out to this uh, shipping corridor. Um, and on the way out there, you're like, you're in the middle of nowhere, right? There's nothing around you. And so the waves are super big. So we're kind of bobbing up and down. And I like, think I'm hearing voices. Mm. So I like, I like, as the waves are, I just, I'm at the top of the wave. You're like looking around and like, yeah, I don't see anything. And I get back down, I'm reading my book. And I did that about three or four times. And then next thing, there's a boat that's like right beside us. I was like, holy shit. And this is like oh. a, you know, a raggedy old fishing boat. And so I yelled down to the captain, go down below deck. We all get our stuff together. We come out. Looks like one dude's holding the gun. There's like five guys on top of the deck. We're like, what do we do right now? And we're like, everyone is like freaking out. There's only four of us on the boat. And so my, my captain. What kind, on, boat, what kind of boat were you on? Were you on a, a, a commercial vessel or were you on a private? No, we were on a 50 foot uh, monohull sailboat. Just a sailboat, you know, a decent sized sailboat for crossing the oceans, but nothing luxurious. You know, it would sleep like seven people. Um, and there was just four of us. There was just four of us on the boat. So we could, we, we could do watch. And so my captain on that boat, um, man, Michael was like, this guy has courage, man. Like, and I didn't, I, I didn't fully realize it until, until years later. Right. But, but looking back on these experiences of what happened, he was like, it's all good. Like, it'll all be good. So we just walk up on deck. And so he's trying to talk to them. We're just kind of following Michael's lead. 
and there's big waves. So they have all these antennas on their boat and they're like rocking back and forth and our sails rocking back and forth. So now we're like, you need to get away from us or we're both going to sink when your antennas wrap around our sail because this is not being good. So anyways, end of the day, they weren't pirates. They were just fishermen and they threw us some coconuts that they, that they had on board and we threw them a beer and uh, we made some pina coladas and it was all good. But, um, but yeah, in those, it's in these moments, right, where you're like, okay, you're thinking about all the stuff in the past. So the past comes into present. This is what we, pre- we prepared for this. You're thinking about the future. What the fuck is going to happen? Are we actually going to get pirated? What does that mean? What does that look like? Oh, my God. Um, and then Michael was able to, like, pull us all back into the present moment to be like, let's see what we got right now. Yeah. Let's not worry about what it could be. Let's just deal with what we got right now. Um, because if they are pirates, it is going to be what it's going to be. There's no escaping. There's nothing around us. We can't go anywhere. You're That's hundreds so- of miles from anything. That's, That's so true, Brandon. That's so true. Mindfulness, like yeah. fully present in the moment without judgment and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It was yeah. a wild, it was a wild experience. So, so, I, that- so, I have, so I have another question. So, um, so talking about you started off the conversation talking about how much trauma you've experienced and i think that's a beautiful segue to talk about what has your healing journey been like given the fact of the situations you physically have been placed in the things you have seen how do you process that 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 trauma do you go to plant-based medicine or you tried psilocybin and things of that nature talk to us about how you've shifted your perspective about the the catastrophic things you've experienced so um Thanks for asking the question. Uh, it's a big, that's a big, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> right. This is a, this is a big question. And it's for, you know, I really believe that, um, this is, um, it's all about a journey into the self and, and how willing, how willing one is to face their own humility, um, again and again and again and again and again and to, peel back the infinite layers um, of that humility onion because it's never endless. So what does the journey look like? So if we go back to India and that trip, um, I found myself placed in a room uh, with the Dalai Lama for three days. Don't know how I got there. It just kind of happened. And, and I sat there at karma. Yeah, exactly. I know how it happened, (laughs) but um so I sat there for three days listening to this, to this individual talk about life and, and share stories and, wow. um, and it was profound. And the thing that I walked away with that from, um, one was that I've never been in the presence of a human like that, where you get to, where you can feel their aura and their energy so profoundly. So that was quite special. Um, yeah. but you know, he said, he goes, when everyone goes away, at the end of the day, your family, your friends, your children, everyone, you're left with yourself. And how can you be with yourself? And, and that stuck with me. And so from that experience moving forward, you know, I, I had like, I've, there was some fucking good parties when I was, when I was cruising around the world, right? Like we had a lot of, I had a lot of fun. Um, but that led me down this path of exploration and I started meditating. It's funny before I was a firefighter, um, I had insomnia. I couldn't sleep. I'd be up all night long. I was a contractor thinking about every little minute detail that had to go into the, what screws am I going to buy? Where did I have to move that wall? What, all those things. I couldn't sleep. 
And it was meditation that helped to get me to sleep. Uh, and then through meditation, uh, you know, I started researching and learning about uh, hypnosis. How can I hypnotize myself? Let me into breath work. Started doing breath work and ice baths over a decade ago. Um, it was like, you know, once we, once something pulls you in to create a curiosity about yourself, mm-hmm. um, then that opens a doorway to do it a little bit more and do it a little bit more. And so, you know, this was what from when I was like 23 years old, I'm 39 now. And in the middle of COVID, like I lost a business during COVID. Uh, my wife and I ran a, ran a fitness gym, a CrossFit gym, and, and I closed it at the end of COVID um, for all the reasons. It was just sucking energy. It was sucking money, all the things. Cost an awful lot of money. And so in the middle of it, before I knew I was going to close it, there was all that financial stress, response, stress of responsibility for my members and the other people that were there. And we extracted a woman from a house fire. Um, it was a homicide. She was beaten and burned to death. Um, and for you know, for me, this was a call that hit me. It struck me hard um, with the culmination of all of the events that were happening in my life. It brought up um, a lot of the other traumas, the significant ones that I had gone through. The 16-year-old who hung himself, who I did CPR on for over an hour, just trying mm. to bring this kid back to life. You know what I mean? So it brought all these other traumas back into play. And I found myself that night at home, my wife had cooked um, a wonderful roast turkey uh, or sorry, chicken dinner. And I'm like, I can't eat this. I'm just staring at this plate, reliving the scene that I was just a part of early that morning. My children are talking to me. My wife's yelling at me to say, hey, listen to the kids. The kids are talking to you. And then a few days later, I'm in my office. I don't even know what was happening. My son walked in the room and he knocked something over. I don't know what it was. And I turned to him and I said, are you fucking kidding me right now? So my son was four years old at this time. So here I am, a grown man, yelling and swearing at my children, um, right. not communicating with them, not being the dad that I want to be, um, and whatever excuse I want to add to it, all the stress that I'm having or whatever. And my wife turned to me and she said, you need to get some help. So I think a massive, massive contributor to the question that you asked um, is support from our community, right? The collective. Um, so, I mean, Patricia is a part of this journey 110%. Um, and so if Ashley hadn't have said that, it's not that I wouldn't have gone to get help. Maybe it would have prolonged it. Who knows what else would have ensued or happened in between. So I went to a community that I was a part of and I said, guys, I need, I need some help. I need some help. And now you have the universe comes into play. So this was really entering the first interactions that Patricia and I had. So a friend, another friend of ours, uh, Laura, she, I wanted to speak with her. So she does neurolinguistic programming. This stuff was magic, right? So saying yes to an experience that I never had before with someone who was trained allowed me to change the image in my head from a burnt turkey to a pair of jeans and aretha roses it's another story but it does incredible things for literally rewiring your brain and then patricia had reached out in the group chat to just say hey like i'm here to chat if you want Mm -hmm. and i went home and i wrote i wrote a poem 
called the hero sorrow. And it was, you know, you do the hero thing and you do all this stuff and, and then you're just left feeling like an absolute hole, like not a hero at all, but the exact opposite of that or what it should be. Um, because you have to deal with all these horrible things. You know what I mean? I was, I was, you know, I was exposed to this woman, this horrible house fire. I saw her family on the front lawn whose lives are now completely ruined, not just because a house caught on fire, but because one of their husbands beat and burned the mother to death. Like this is horrible shit. And for whatever reason, this comes into my existence. And so I share this poem with Patricia in an email. I don't even know how I got her email. I was just like, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. Or uh, I just feel that based on something you'd shared in our group, I don't even recall what it was, that you may resonate with this. And then that was that was it with her and my relationship. Yeah. But for me, what happened there in terms of healing was that I was able to find somebody or call in someone into my life that was able to help me articulate the things about me that I didn't know how to articulate. Beautiful. So this speaks to that unknown realm, right? The fifth dimension, the quantum field, our spirituality. And what I learned was that I actually knew how to articulate it quite well. Um, I just didn't have that space ever given to me before. Right? That space was never present. My dad never taught me that. My mom never showed me that. Well, they did, but in different ways, not in a direct manner in which Patricia and I can sit in a room and just <laughs> end up on Pluto talking about this stuff, right? In a literal, in a literal sense, not just the metaphorical one, but in a literal sense. And so, so yeah, man, it's like, how do we heal from our trauma? Well, we got to face our own vulnerabilities, right? We got to face our own humility. Like I'm sitting there yelling, swearing at my kid. Obviously, I know that's not a good thing to do, but do we actually face that? Do we actually do something about it? Do we actually go and try and change the story? And I really believe that most times, no, we, we don't. Um, we play the someday do- game. Someday I'll deal with that. Yeah. Or like we never give it enough time. We think that like we think we fail. It's like, no, like every, every thought in contribution to change is change right? Mm-hmm. So is action. But if we don't think of it in a manner that everything is, is culminating, then we just think, ah, I tried, I tried. Right. right. And then like, you know, Yoda says there is no try. Right. <laughs> I just didn't want right? that today with somebody. Yeah. Yep. Right. I, so like Brandon, yeah. there's this other side too, though. And I think, um, and I don't mean to interrupt you here, but I, I, I think it's important because you've had the ability to take on so many different risks and you also had this compassion that was actually, you were not afraid of it. I think, you know, my, my favorite line, fear is not your currency. Fear is not my currency, but the, the ability to take what had happened to you through other experiences. And, and this last one, it, it really became almost your um, tipping point. And, and for you, you had the confidence, which I think, it, and even if you add it all together, you know, financially, the business, you know, still being a firefighter, but running the company, running the, the business, the workshops, 
you know, doing all of the things that the, the dad pod that you had, <laughs> all of that was still, you were still ignore not in a way ignoring yourself, but you were paying more attention to the things that were, you were still kind of attached to, but I, I knew a hundred million percent that you were so ready to, you know, release it. And I think, you know, all the decisions that you made, the good counsel that you received, and, and of course you and Ashley just sitting down and, and having that heart to heart and saying, you know, what do we want our life to look like in the future? And, and how will we embrace making that change? And then you made the decision to do it and, and the courage, the monad, the soul, you know, the whole perspective of you saying, no matter what, we're still going to be okay. So all those life lessons were already encouraging you and giving you the confidence to know that you could do it. Now, I'm going to add one more thing because we're running out of time here. And I know we could have a million more stories and I wish oh, yeah. you can. <laughs> yeah, but more. When you arrived, you sold your house, you arrived into Costa Rica and, you you know, you're, you're really in uh, the bubble of uh, this is going to be the most awesome adventure and I won't say what happened, but take a minute just to tell everybody, like, you're building this incredible, you know, journey. And from day one, you got struck. If you want to talk about karma, tell tell them, tell us what happened. So, yeah. So we showed up, we took the leap of faith, uh, entered into paradise. Um, and on the second day we were here, uh, we were in a massive car accident. Uh, me and my son were taken to the hospital. He had to get uh, x-rays of a concerned spinal injury. Uh, he ended up being okay. Um, but the ambulance right here uh, was basically like me throwing in the back of a pickup truck pickup truck, and drive him to the hospital myself. Um, I had glass all through my arm. So we were in a high, uh, we were in a high speed collision head on. Um, we didn't see the car coming at all. It just hit us. We were driving. I turned because Ashley and I were talking. And all of a sudden, we're spinning around in circles. Uh, once the car finally stopped, Ashley started screaming. She's looking back at the kids, obviously, like, what has just happened? I look over, and there's another truck coming around the blind corner right at us. So thank God I was able to move the car forward enough to get out of the to get out of the, the, the lane of traffic because uh, wow. we would have got hit from the other side again. And, you know, these moments happen so fast. It shook the shit out of everyone. Now we're... Not like I'm not arriving on scene of an accident. I am in the accident, yeah, <laughs> right? I'm in the accident. The other vantage point. With my children. And so now we're stuck on a mountain. This was a rental car, so we didn't really have a vehicle for these first few weeks that we were here. Um, it was the wettest rainy season ever in Costa Rica. And so we had over nine feet of rain in October alone. We showed up on October 5th. Yeah, bro. Holy shit. And so we just, we were just perched on top of this mountain in the rain, just like allow, allowing it to cleanse our life and all the emotions of what the fuck did we just do? And like I, my wife on repeat was on her phone being like, we can move to Hawaii. We can move here. We can move there. like, where, where are we, where are we going? And so. You know, it's like you make the decision to finally do these things or to do these things. It doesn't mean that everything's just going to be rainbows and unicorns and everything's going to be perfect. 
there's always something else that happens. And so it was an amazing uh, lesson for us looking back. It was an amazing connector for our family and our children and the attention that we need to pay to our kids um, because there's so much trauma, as I'm sure the three of us know, going back and doing work on our childhood and that childhood <laughs> trauma work, right? Like it oh, comes yeah. from this from the slightest of things. And so like weeks after that, my daughter, uh, who is now 10 years old, she was nine at the time. She's like, daddy, I don't want to wear this shirt anymore. I'm like, why babe? Like, it looks good. She's like, it's the shirt that I was wearing in the car accident. Oh, like she remembers, she remembers yeah, these yeah. things, right? You know? Um, and so anyways, it's really interesting, like watching how that, how that experience shows up with my children and where it shows up with them as well as myself, right? Driving, you got to drive by the scene every single day. It's the only road in town to get from where we live um, in, into town, right? Um, so yeah, that was another another tick on the box. If you, if you wow. wow. Well, Brandon, I know that I'm, I mean, I am deeply grateful that we were able to, to get the communication of the internet mm. working tonight. Um, Finally. I hope the listeners <laughs> enjoyed, you know, I know we, we tried to fill in the blank before you came on, but um, I, I know myself having had multiple, multiple conversations with you. you, you know, you live in my heart. I love you. Mm. I have such a deep respect and profound, you know, desire to see you do so well with fire to light because I know what you've put into the program. The program is exceptional. And I know the whole entire world, one of these days is going to have the opportunity, you know, to see it manifest and it's coming and soon. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I know. So, you know, safety is important, but at the same time, I love the courage and just the, the depth of commitment that you've made to make this all work. And I'm fortunate because I get to see all the pictures, even, you know, the snakes going up the tree and <laughs> right. stuff. Oh my God, the sloth hanging off the tree sends me a picture and I'm like, he goes, I'm going for a walk. Look at the sloth in the tree. <laughs> like, okay. You live in a zoo. A live beautiful in a zoo. zoo. But uh, I'm, I'm, again, I'm super grateful. I'll, I'll let Christopher, you know, finalize things here. But from me to you, I am so grateful that you are here and you're safe. And Godspeed, that accident scared the H out of all of us when when mm. you told us. And um, huge prayers. But I know you've done a, a lot of amazing work. And there's more stories about the circle and all the things that you're going through. So. There's yeah. got there's got to be a book in there, dude. You you have the makings. I swear oh, yes. to God, of a, a best-selling book that will definitely be a movie. Do you have Do you have desire to uh, put it all down on papers soon enough? So there's a book that's in progress. Um, yeah. There's some share, stories that are shared, not so much an autobiography type, but uh, there's a book that's uh, that's in progress. That's that's happening in the works. It's kind of been put off for a few months that I got to get back at. Um, Sweet. But yeah, man, no, like I love, I love writing. Um, Patricia knows like this. <clears throat> She's usually the first one I share all my poetry with. Um, but yeah, no, there's definitely, definitely a book or two that'll happen. That's for sure. Sweet. Well, we will have you back on the show. We'll have you on the Unfiltered Experience as well. It's the show we do on Friday nights that talks a lot about what we talked about tonight. Um, and for everybody out there listening on Audio Land, tell them where they can get a hold of you uh, via your website. Yeah, firetolight.org, uh, brandon.r.evans uh, on Instagram. Those are the best spots to uh, to hit me up. 
Cool, cool. Awesome, brother. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to stick you backstage for a second. Don't go anywhere because Patricia and I still want to talk to you for a second, but we're just going to close out the show. Thank you again for being here. Thank you for for being the poster boy for resiliency, um, for courage, for tenacity. Thank you, man. It's been a privilege to have this conversation with you. And I look forward to more conversations with you as well. Yeah, likewise. Thanks so much. I really appreciate the time. You got it, brother. You got it, brother. We'll be right with you. So there we have it. Patricia, Patty, my dear friend. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for introducing me to I'm introducing all of us to Brandon. I mean, what a tremendous individual. What a, what a, you could just feel like you could just feel his soul within him. Right. You know, you just feel that good feeling. Like you want to be in a, in a challenging situation with Brandon. You want, you want to be there with them. Cause he's going to be like that other guy. I was like, all right, it is what it is. Let's go deal with it. And then once we're done with it, we'll party. Yeah. Uh, again, when I think about, you know, look how we all meet, like how we have a certain connection with a person and you don't know what is it, like where does it go and and how very interesting we pick up on that energy to help one another, not expecting that something would, you know, manifest, but now years go by and, you know, you see the journey and you're actually sort of on part of that journey. Like I'm on part of your journey. You're on part mm -hmm. of my journey. I'm on Brandon's journey. He's in mine. Um, there's, there's something, there's one line. Uh, he had said this to me and this goes way back by Paramahansa Yogananda. And it's the, uh, oh my God, a saint is a sinner who never gave up. A saint is a sinner who never gave up. <laughs> You know, and, and when I think about it, there's so many people on this planet that are walking around not thinking or thinking that, you know, what they're doing, you know, it's going to be this way forever. And Brandon is that person who says, no, I'm going to think one, I'm going to explode the dream. I'm going to shatter whatever I was thinking it could happen. And I'm going to see what else is on the other side of that, because that's what he did when he went to India. That's what he did when he crossed, you know, into New Zealand and on and on. But now to have his kids and his wife and experiencing this manifestation of, of a true journey of life and, and taking it like he is extremely humble. And, and there is this, this inspiration that when you are in the position where you can recognize something about what he's doing or saying that you can take home with you, that you can say, it's like Oren. You know, right. it's like a lot of the people that, you know, we've had the opportunity to talk to, they, they're your teachers. Doesn't matter what your age is, they're mm -hmm. your teachers. And you just have to be vulnerable and you have to be humble enough to look at what's in front of you and say, well, what can I learn? What can I do better? And, and if, you know, every time I have an opportunity to, you know, reevaluate something that's happened to me, I always think I'm happy this happened because it makes me see something a little bit differently. And, and I think, you know, having that experience that he's gone through, especially now with his children, imagine what they're going to, what the stories they're going to tell 25 years from now. Yeah, we were taken out of school in Brampton and we moved to Costa Rica and now we're in a private school doing circle and, and counting stars and, and looking at physics from a whole new level. Like, unbelievable. Yeah, they're truly living life. They're truly, truly living life, not yep. just existing in life. And that's yeah. what he's teaching his kids to go out there, grab the life by the, by the horns and, and make the most yeah. out of every single day. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's what I said. I just want to acknowledge some of the beautiful people who've been here tonight. Oh. We've had, uh, we've had a new person in here. Uh, Nima. Nima. What's up, Nima. Thank you for being here and, and, and uh, spending your time with us. We got uh, Sanjay. Hey, uh, what's up, Sanjay? Sanjay. Thank you for being here. Appreciate Famous it. Photographer. 
Yeah, I know. We've got uh we've got Serena Buffalino in the house. She, I don't know if she saw our our our, uh, our commercial, but uh yeah. we got her in the house. We got Robert Broker in the house. Um we got uh and and Nuba Nuba Hav uh says great and well done. Thank you very much for that. I apologize if I screwed up your name. Got Katie Fralick in the house. What's up, Katie? Thank you for joining us. Um, she was she was she commented here the living years, Mike yeah, and mechanics. Mike and mechanics. <laughs> yes, yes. It's crazy when you start getting older and you all these all these old songs you didn't understand when you were, we're a kid. <laughs> like 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 Don Henley, you know, uh, the end of innocence. I never liked that song, but recently I listened to it. And I'm like, oh my god, it feels like life. You know, it's yeah. crazy. Got Renee Gordon in the house. She says, "Wow, this is a remarkable and spiritual message." Well, thank you, Renee, for joining us. Appreciate you. Uh, please share this out, guys. Uh, David Libby in the house says, uh, "Credible shares." Thank you, David. Uh, please share this out, guys. The more people that get an opportunity to see this conversation, hear this conversation, the more opportunity we have to heal one another. And that's what is needed mm -hmm. most in this world right now, no matter where you're at, no matter where you're listening from, where you're watching from, the world needs your gifts right now. So we implore upon you to take every single day and set the intention to be the person that you want to be remembered for every single action that you take, fulfill that legacy, that, 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 that belief in that knowing that you're here for a particular reason to make this world a better place for who you are and what you do and continue to show up here every single week for the raw and unscripted show. We're going to be back again next week. Uh, Patty, tell us who we got coming up next week. We have D O Gibson and he is a Canadian rapper he is a phenomenal individual with also a pretty amazing life and story. And I, I am super, super stoked. Thank you, Christopher. So this is, you know, your second uh, time to co-host with someone and it's me. So we have one more to go and I'm really thrilled. Um, and thank you so much. I really appreciate what you're doing and excited about your book. And uh, for all those people out there who are listening, sign up, sign up, sign up. This book is going to be amazing. Yeah, there it is. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Just don't tell Dave Grohl that I used his book as my as my. <laughs> Actually, go ahead and tell Dave Grohl. Tell you, I want you to go tell Dave Grohl that Christopher Roush used his book as a mock book cover for his autobiography coming out. I want you to do that. I'll just call him tomorrow. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. All right, beautiful people. We will see you here next time on the Ron and Scripted Show. Go out there, be beautiful. Share the show out there. Uh, be a part of the solution, not part of the problem. And we will see you next time. Uh, be brilliant, ladies and gentlemen. We love you. <laughs>